basketball fans. Last year, the Los Angeles Lakers decided to permanently retire both numbers that Kobe Bryant, the famous all-star, <laughs> all-world Kobe Bryant wore for the Lakers. He wore, as you can see on the screens here, two numbers, numbers 8 and 24. So last year, the Lakers said, we are going to retire both numbers. And an ESPN announcer said at the event before a Laker game, Kobe's numbers will hang in the Staples Center forever. Staples Center, of course, where the Lakers currently play basketball. Kobe's numbers, 8 and 24, will hang in the Staples Center forever. No, they won't. Someday, we all know, the Staples Center will come down. Romance novelist Tessa Dare has one of her characters in a romance book say to the love of his life, I will build you a house and that house will last forever. Well, the Jerusalem temple that Solomon built didn't last forever. Neither will any house we build last forever. Certain generation of us know that the Beatles sang strawberry fields forever. <laughs> There's a company called Diamond Infused Skin Products. Maybe you know about that. I didn't, but... Diamond-infused skin products says, we will make you look flawless forever. I, I googled the word forever, and I came up with these companies. Forever Stainless Steel, Forever Health, Forever Nature, Forever Biking, Forever Farm. We all want, right, forever. In fact, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Did you know that? That God said, I'm going to put in your heart this idea of eternity, this idea that time will never end, this idea forever. So that's why we all want forever. That's <laughs> why we're made. It's in our DNA. God created us to live forever. What we want and what so many people offer, our God delivers, delivers. God delivers forever. In fact, if you would do a word count, you would find that in the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible, which is the version we use at St. Michael, in the ESV, you will find words translated forever <laughs> 379 times in the Bible. 379 times the Bible says something about forever. The most famous one, of course, is Psalm 136. His love endures forever. In fact, that's so popular in Psalm 136, verse 1, that it appears another 78 times. Ki olam kazdo. That's how it sounds in the Hebrew. His love endures forever. 
Exodus chapter 15, 18 says that God's reign lasts forever. We all know Psalm 23, verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the word of the Lord endures forever. And in our Old Testament reading today, from Micah chapter 4, verse 5, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. We're in this sermon series, many of you know, on this little small book called Micah in the prophetic section called The Minor Prophets, so Micah just seven chapters. We're calling this series Fierce Judgment, Final Grace. And today in Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, probably his most famous section in his book, he says that after fierce judgment, there is final grace. And final grace is grace forever. That's how he ends the vision, right? We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. Fierce judgment, no doubt, followed by final grace. To get some context, though, before we look at Micah's most awesome vision in chapter 4, 1 through 5, the, the two verses that precede that are the two verses at the end of chapter 3. So here is the fierce judgment before the final grace. Final grace, grace forever. So Micah says Jerusalem's heads. So, so the heads here would be the political elite, the, the, the king, the, the princes, the, the power brokers of the day. These are the heads. These are the people running the Judean government, latter part of the 8th century B.C. They give judgment for a bribe. No wonder Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, right? It's priests teach for a price. Prophets practice divination for money. Boy, that's great. The religious leaders are simply in it for a killing, right? And yet, they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. What do you call that? You might call it fake and phony faith. You might call it pretentious and posturing faith, whatever you call Micah 3 verse 11, you have to call it as you see it. It's not real faith, right? Because of that, here comes the fierce judgment. Because of you, the you there being these leaders, Zion, that's the city of David, Jerusalem, right, shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. Fierce judgment, and it did happen. It happened in August of 587 B.C. When Nebuchadnezzar, the great Babylonian king, did just that. Nebuchadnezzar dismantled Zion, Jerusalem, the city of David. Zion became plowed like a field. Jerusalem like a heap of ruins. Fierce judgment over phony and fake faith. Fierce judgment, though final grace. And final grace is grace forever. 
So we go to the next verse, and we hit today's Old Testament reading. What does final grace look like? What happens after God comes with fierce judgment against his people? Well, this is what happens. No more wars. Micah chapter 4, 1 and 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days. So what are the latter days? We'll hold on to that question. We'll come back to it at the end of the sermon. (laughs) In the latter days, that is to say after Nebuchadnezzar, right? Babylonian assault in August of 587 B.C. After fierce judgment, see, here's what final grace looks like. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. Many nations will come. The words I've accented here, peoples and many nations, behind these English words would be Hebrew words that entail different nationalities. In other words, peoples and many nations behind that would be non-Israelites. Like who, you ask? Well, like Edomites and Moabites and Amalekites and Ammonites and Jebusites and Hivites and Hittites, and don't forget the Canaanites. The point Micah is saying is that in the latter days, no more war. Peoples and many nations, the Edomites, etc., they will all come to what? Mount Zion, the city of David, the holy Jerusalem. Edomites won't fight against Amalekites, Canaanites won't fight against Hivites, and Israelites won't fight against Ammonites. No more wars in the latter days. No more division, no more hatred, no more wars between Republicans and Democrats, no more wars between men and women, no more wars between Lutheran and Catholic, no more hatred, no more wars, no more killing fields forever. In the latter days, Micah goes on. No more wandering, wandering. Uh, We all sing this hymn, Come Thou Fount of Many Blessing. And within that hymn, we sing these lyrics, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And I do. And so do you. We wander around aimlessly, right? Uh, Sometimes we wander around with, with... cold hearts and hard hearts, and we feel a bazillion miles away from Jesus. But Micah says, in the latter days, no more wandering, see? Uh, These nations, right, the Edomites, Moabites, including the Israelites, see, they will go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, right? That he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion, Zion that was plowed like a field, right? Fierce judgment, here's the final grace. Zion will be the locus, the place where the Torah, right? The instruction of God goes out and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. No more wandering. Don't you just hate it when you are so far away from Jesus? Jesus. 
and you know it, and I know it, and we feel it, and we don't know what to do about it. Well, in the latter days, out of Zion shall go forth the Torah, that's God's instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. No more wandering forever. Micah goes on, no more weapons, no more weapons. This is such a good line that Isaiah picks it up as well later in the 8th century B.C. in Isaiah chapter 2, 1 to 5. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. No more weapons, not just weapons of mass destruction, but verbal weapons. Stare-down weapons. Slam-dunk kinds of weapons. When we dismiss each other and act as though we are the judge and the jury. No more weapons. You know that the League of Nations after World War I took this and this was their charter. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And the League of Nations didn't go very far, right? It couldn't avert World War Two, but after World War II, the League of Nations became the United Nations. And on June 26, 1945, 50 countries signed the Charter of the United Nations in New York City. And what was their most famous text? They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. No more weapons. In 1959, the USSR, right, that morphed into Russia for the most part, gave this stunning sculpture to the United Nations. And it sits in lower Manhattan in New York, outside of the United Nations building. It's a great depiction of the charter for the United Nations. This sculpture, of course, shows a man with his hammer beating a sword, a sword into a plowshare. And this is the universal desire of all people, that there would be a day when all weapons would be converted into implements that foster peace and harmony, swords into plowshares. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is what I think. This is pie in the sky. Ain't going to happen. This is so naive to think about this. This is so fantasy. This will never, ever occur. Swords into plowshares? (laughs) Not in my lifetime. Not in anyone's lifetime. What the United Nations can only dream of, our God will accomplish forever. Fierce judgment, right? Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians come in, 587 B.C., dismantle everything. But after fierce judgment is always final grace. And final grace is grace forever. No more war, no more wandering, no more weapons. 
But Micah's not done. No more want. Micah 4.4. They shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. Well, Micah knows his Bible quite well. He's simply quoting word for word 1 Kings 4.25. 1 Kings 4.25 uses these same words to characterize the reign of Solomon. Solomon. In Solomon's day, everyone sat under his vine and fig tree. That's just an Old Testament way for saying no more want. Everyone has everything they need. In fact, in 1 Kings 10, verse 21, it describes the days of Solomon this way. Everything was made out of gold, and silver was considered of little value. Whoa, that's no more want. In the latter days, there will be no more Thirst, no more hunger, no more nakedness, no more homelessness, no more deep holes in our hearts in the latter days. And Micah finishes up saying, No more worry, no more worry. No one shall make them afraid. In the latter days. Worry traffics in two words. You've heard them already today. So have I. What if? What if? I don't close that sale. What if? I don't get that job. What if my child doesn't make that grade? What if I get dementia? What if I get Alzheimer's? What if I get cancer? What if? Life is just a constant what if. But Micah says in the latter days, no one shall make them afraid. No relational fears, no financial fears, no health fears, no fears at all. There is a story told about a mouse. We all know the expression, as meek as a what? Mouse. Mice are not the most courageous creatures in the world. And this mouse met a magician, and the magician promised to turn the mouse into its most feared enemy. And that would be what? Cat lovers? A cat. So this magician turns the mouse into a cat. So, so this mouse turned cat is feeling pretty good about life until he meets what? A dog. So the mouse turned cat goes to the magician, and the magician turns the mouse turned cat into a dog. And now this mouse turned cat into dog is feeling pretty good. Until he meets a what? A lion. A lion. So he goes back. He goes back to the magician and says, please turn me into a lion. So the mouse turned cat turned dog is now turned into a lion. He's feeling really good about life, right? Until he meets what? A hunter. 
a hunter. So he goes back to the magician. The, the mouse turned cat, turned dog, turned to lion. And the magician says, I will turn you back into a mouse. Because though you have the body of a lion, you still have a heart of a mouse. How are you doing today? Fine. No, I'm not. We can have the body of a lion, but we still have the heart of a mouse. Eaten whole by those two words. What if? But Micah says, in the latter days, no more worry. No more having a heart of a mouse. No more fears. No more anxiety. So when is all this going to happen? What are the latter days? When is Micah's prophecy fulfilled? Uh, When will there be a day when there is no more war or wandering or weapons or want or worry? And how will it happen? Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, this is Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That Micah's vision is fulfilled in Jesus, and isn't this just a beautiful picture? That Advent points to Christ's cradle, and Christ's cradle points to Christ's cross. Think about the irony. The God who says in the Old Testament that my love endures forever, and my kingly reign endures forever, and my word endures forever, and my promises endure forever, that forever God hung dead on a cross. Think about the irony. Blood outpoured, body broken. The angels are silent. Heaven weeps. Darkness descends. Fierce judgment. Final grace. And final grace is grace forever. Jesus lives for you forever. Isaac Watts composed the awesome hymn. We sing it this time of the year. It's called Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And it has these lyrics in the third stanza about how his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Where is the curse found? It's found in what? Wars and wandering and weapons and want and worry. The curse is found in my heart and yours. The curse is found as it seeps its way into our homes. The curse is found as it makes my mind go in places that make my life a living hell. 
The curse is found everywhere, in everything and everyone. And the curse will finally kill everyone and everything. It is a powerful curse. But it's not forever. He comes to make his blessings flow, Isaac Watts writes, far as the curse is found. That's Micah's point. That's Micah chapter 4, 1 through 5, that God will uncurse creation. He will uncurse creation. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. He has come in these latter days. Joy to the world. The Lord will come on the last day. And on the last day, there will be no more wars or wandering or weapons or want or worry. No wonder Isaac Watts says, joy to the world, the Lord has come, and the Lord will come again, and he will set up his righteous reign forever. So now what? This is how Micah concludes his vision. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. Which means that sacrifices are worth making. Hope is worth having. People are worth loving. And life is worth living. Come what may. Life is worth living. We, church, we, me, you, all of us, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God. And Micah says, La'olam. And that's his Hebrew. And our English? <laughs> well, that would be forever. Let's stand and sing Isaac's great hymn.